0: Hello everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. This is the Promotional Malpractice live chat for Wednesday, July 22nd, uh, 2015. Today on the chat, we'll talk about, of course, your questions, your comments, as always. But I suspect UFC on Fox 16 is on Saturday. We can recap any of the action we saw over the past weekend or week or however you want to describe the last, I don't know, billion events that there have been. We'll talk about, in addition, Stitch Duran, We'll talk about the HBO Real Sports special on domestic violence in MMA and, of course, Christy Mack and War Machine. So a lot to get to. A busy chat today. We'll do this for an hour and a half. Um, Best place to get your questions in are two places, but predominantly MMAfighting.com. Comments at Turn Green. um, They get priority, or you can get at me on Twitter, twitter.com slash S-B-N, Sierra Bravo November Luke Thomas, SBN Luke Thomas is my Twitter handle. Um, make sure to use the hashtag chat wrappers to get that in. By the way, if you're watching this now, give it a thumbs up. I got a little scraped up yesterday training, but I'm all right. Although I can kind of blink a little bit. But, um, uh, oh, by the way, everyone was asking me to like, you know, Luke, you drink those terrible diet sodas. Get like a real, if you're going to drink diet soda, get get like a, like a real diet soda from like a real manufacturer. So I went to the store and got this. I've never had it. It's called Zevia. Zero calories, of course, because this diet. Cream soda. No sugar, no artificial sweeteners. Caffeine-free. Caffeine-free? Man. All right, let's try it. That is like hipster in a can, boy. <laughs> it's not terrible. It's just like watered down. This thing should come with a beard and, you know, an ironic t-shirt. All right. Let's get this process started. Let's get the show on the road. So we'll start, of course, on MMAfighting.com where all the questions are. Here we go. Uh, Someone says, to get both sides of the story, recently MMA Fighting contacted the UFC for a comment on Jacob Stitch Duran being fired and they had no comment. Uh, how long do you wait for a person of the company to respond before publishing an article? It really depends on the nature of the article. Sometimes you publish right away. Sometimes you can wait up to a week or 24 hours or 48 hours. It really sort of depends on um, the nature of the story and the nature of who you're asking for a comment and what, how important getting their comment is to a story. Sometimes you can just run it, and then you can add the comment in later. It's, it's a variety of factors that go into it. But, let, I mean, since you brought it up, let's just go ahead and get to this. No one really cares about, like proper citation, although it's important, I suppose, but, um, everyone wants to talk about this Jacob Stich Duran issue, which I am all too helpful, helpful to do. Uh, all right. Excuse me. So Jacob Stich Duran does an interview with Bloody Elbow. I think he made a few comments on Twitter as well, but, um, and gets fired. Yeah. Amazing, if you ask me, um, for all kinds of reasons. It's just so incredible what has happened with, with Jacob Stitch Duran. So, a lot of people have said a couple of things about it, you know. Um, obviously, the outrage has been, I think the outrage for this one has been way bigger than the outrage for Burt Watson, which I'll get to in a minute, because the situations have been linked or compared, and I don't think that they, you can compare them. Um, so, some people have said, well, look, you know, it's a private company um, They can hire and fire who they please. You know, well, as long as you're not, you know, committing some illegal act of discrimination, um, you can fire someone. And and speaking out against your company, you know, I think most would agree that his comments to Bloody Elbow were pretty innocuous. But OK, you know, they weren't entirely praiseworthy either. Um, this is grounds for dismissal in a private company, which is true. It is um some have said luke could you really go out there and just blast sb nation and expect to keep your job um you know there's probably some criticisms you could make but certainly i see your point like you know, if you work down the street at um i don't know uh, what's the nearest place here um there's a subway right here sandwich shop you know i thought they would care too much but if you if your boss knew you were bad-mouthing the, the business in that particular location would he have a right to he or she have a right to get rid of you yeah sure of course um But to me, when you frame the issue like that about whether or not it was like legal, you know, or whether or not they had a right to do it is to me totally irrelevant, completely and totally irrelevant. The relevant issue is not whether or not um, UFC has a right to fire independent contractors who they believe are speaking out of turn. Yeah, of course they do. You know, Um, that's not the issue. The issue is, does it make sense? Does it make sense? And the other part about the, 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 because everyone's framing this issue like, and I said it on Twitter last night, you know, Stitch Duran, if you don't know, he might be the best cut man in combat sports. This is a guy that Vladimir Klitschko has hired for years, flies them all over the world to make sure that he gets the best cut man in the business for his fights. Right, this is a guy in demand. Who has a long? I mean, this guy has seen every cut imaginable. He's done articles where he talks about the different kinds of cuts that you see between rounds, between boxing and MMA, and different forms of treatment. You know, because a, a MMA fight, even in five rounds, is only twenty five minutes. A boxing fight can go up to thirty six or more if you count all the minutes in rounds. So you get the idea. So, like, there's just different ways. He has every trick in the book. You know about how to do this the right, the right way. He is the best guy in the business. Um, You know, and everyone has said, well, look how, look how good this guy is. Isn't he amazing? Yeah, he is. You know, um, can the UFC find other really good Barbas is here. Can the UFC find other really good cut men, not as necessarily as good as stitch, but to do a good job and protect the fighters. Yeah, I think so. You know, there are other really good cut men and cut women in this business, not as good as stitch. So, but so for me, when people are like, well, the UFC doesn't care about fighter safety, um, you know, getting rid of stitch doesn't help your argument. But it's not like this is not like when the NFL had a bunch of scabs as the referees who were like clearly messing up the game. I don't think you're going to find that necessarily. Although I admit the guys who are there are probably not as good as Stitch. Um, but to me, this this is like these are all like not the right way to talk about this issue, right? Because the right way to talk about this issue, from what I can tell, looking around, is the UFC. Harkening back to before the Fox deal, really for its full existence, but especially as they began to take a turn towards corporate, they have struggled by their own admission. This is not me something saying something about them. These are things that they have publicly admitted, particularly in the sports business journal, um, to writers like, you know, John Orand and other people. They have struggled to get the kind of sponsors that they want, that they believe they could bring value to. They've had some successes, especially in terms of a combat sports business. You know, they were able to get a Dodge sponsorship, and they are really able to get you know pr- you know a uh, big movie. Southpaw, part you know, Southpaw is not Akira Kurosawa level of quality, but it's a big movie. It's a big studio. It's a big time star. And Jake Gyllenhaal, they can get those ads. Um, they've been able to get a big time alcohol sponsor with Budweiser, or Anheuser Busch, anyway. And so they've had, and there's other successes that they've had it too. But if you look at some of the other ones, they've got like Corn Nuts and fram or uh, metro pcs these are not bad companies but these are not the top of the food chain i i I suspect ufc would much rather have doritos or um you know i don't know name something in car performance that's really sort of a notable name or um you know know, verizon or at&t you know major telecom uh contributors here not cricket wireless or metro pcs which everyone sort of like hilariously associates with burners. This is a company that has struggled to get those things. And why has it struggled to get it? Not because they haven't put their best foot forward, but because, uh, look, it's a violent sport. Guys bleed on a canvas after punching each other in the face. It's, a, it's, it's very, very hard to attract sponsors. And the UFC has had more success than anybody in trying to get those things. And so what was the whole pitch about the Reebok deal? We all know that the argument about which take away the NASCAR effect is just total nonsense. When you literally cannot watch a ufc fight without seeing an ad blaring on the canvas or the ring post or whatever behind you it's impossible so that so that's not the issue the issue was partly they want to control that space because they believe they were the ones who were creating it and they had a right to it we've talked about that in this chat as well um but also the idea was if we can clean up that look a little bit or at least attract a major apparel brand like reebok you know we can maybe get down the road in adidas or a nike or we can stay with Reebok, but get a bigger, more lucrative deal, or use that to attract a Verizon, or a Samsung, or a Sony, or some kind of brand on top of that that they have been unable to get. It was supposed to be like a third-party validator. Right. In firing Stitch Duran, who has taken the worst of the brunt? Has it been Stitch? No. Has it been UFC? Certainly there's been some blowback to UFC. I think you can't, I mean, I think the number one story on Reddit yesterday was this whole situation with Stitch. Now, the people who, the UFC know that their customers are loyal. There's another fight coming up. You'll just kind of keep watching. The people who have taken the brunt of this are Reebok. It's Reebok. They're the ones getting butchered uh, in the media or at least by the fans, I should say, by the people who you're trying to attract as customers. You know, it is crazy to me, crazy, that for a company that has publicly admitted that they know that they're up against a challenge in trying to recruit sponsors, and yet you keep taking the very acts, um, or you keep making the very acts that sow the seeds of discontent for the sponsors that you're looking for once you finally get them, because the deal was forced on the fighters, and a lot of them spoke out. Um the deal removed the all the rest of the apparel companies, which are sort of like the bedrock of the MMA community, and they spoke out. Uh, certainly, media had some concerns about to what extent this was an equitable transition. And then now, um, you're firing sympathetic figures who made relatively innocuous statements about Reebok uh, and how he was losing money. And how he didn't like necessarily the cut of the vest, or you know, was it you know, a practical for all the needs? But not, he didn't slam it. You go back and read it; it's still up. And and then you fire this guy, which comes right back on Reebok. At every stage, they have found a way to not intentionally, but deflect negative attention on Reebok. I do not understand this. I do not understand this. I guess what they think is, if we fire Stitch Duran, we're protecting Reebok because we're getting rid of somebody who had some issues and it completely backfired. So to me, the big issue here is, you know you have struggled to get sponsors. You know you have put in more work to get sponsors into the combat sports space than anyone else in maybe combat sports history. I mean, yes, on the boxing side, they can get Corona and some tequilas. Obviously, they attract, you know, a big Latino market over there, and they've had some success in attracting some brands that appeal to those kinds of demographics. Um, You know, but, I mean, the amount of work they've done to get sponsors into this space cannot be understated. They've done a tremendous, tremendous job in that. And yet, there's been a lot of times, you know, when Dana White made that video about Loretta Hunt, Anheuser-Busch nearly walked. Um, And that's why I think you saw him being very protective when Brock Lesnar made those statements. Here you have a case where I think they're trying to be protective about Reebok, and it's having the opposite effect. They have sowed the seeds of discontent with all the various stakeholders by coercion. And then when it blows back, you know, I don't know what they. I don't know what they're thinking uh, when it relates to the strategy here. There's a guy named Joseph Nye who is a um, professor at Harvard. He's written a number of books, on the you know, on essentially related to not politics as a domestic issue, but uh, international diplomacy and and um, the, the nature of American power abroad. And he has this concept called soft power. Soft power. The basic idea is that there's a number of ways you can get the kind of outcomes from people that you want. You can basically coerce them. You can pay them or, you know, through a ways of co-opting or working together, um, you can bring them into the fold and you can still get the kind of outcome that you want. And the question is when to use hard power like coercion and when to use soft power like co-option. To me, it seems like the UFC just thought that this is where the argument just completely falls apart. People who are defending it are saying, well, the UFC can hire and fire who they want. This is totally true. This is totally true. This is not up for debate. The question is, on what planet does that make sense? On what earth? Because it's not this one. It doesn't make, doesn't make sense on this planet. On what planet does it make sense to fire a guy who is a hugely beloved figure? And this is where it differs from the Burt Watson thing. Look, people have told me internally, you know, the reason why I would, we didn't chase after Bert was because I guess they were having some issues with him. I don't know if people just weren't getting along. I don't know exactly what the case was. But when he left, they were like, okay, goodbye. You know, to my knowledge, that wasn't the case with Stitch. That wasn't the case with Stitch at all. And Stitch is a pretty you know, uh, important service here. But the difference between Stitch and, and Burt is that the Stitch situation is tied to the already quite visible toxicity around the Reebok deal. So it's not just that you got rid of Stitch for saying something out of turn. You did it related to this, which brings all of this all the way back up again. <laughs> the way to handle that was to call them into the office and say, look, we need you to not do that right? This is a warning. You can suspend him or not, but was to say, look, is there a way we can make this right with you? You know, was his watch sponsorship really bothering anybody? And you could say, well, why does he get to wear a watch? I don't know. I love Joe Rogan. I think he should be able to wear his Onnit shirt wherever he wants, but I don't quite understand why Stitch can't wear a watch and Joe Rogan gets to wear an Onnit shirt on stage at a weigh-in. that does not compute. There's there's something missing here, right? Again, I don't think... I don't think Joe should be forced to change. I love Joe. I think he's. A, I think he owns part of that company. He should be able to wear whatever he wants. I think the same goes for Stitch. If the two don't match, for starters. Or the other thing was, Stitch was complaining about some of the functionality of the vest. Instead of firing the guy, how about bringing him in and being like, "Look, we don't. We we can't have you do this. It doesn't look good for us. We're really trying to develop a strong relationship with this brand. We've come so far." But how about this? How about we sit you down with some of Reebok's designers? You give them some feedback about what you need so that they can make you another vest that's even better. Because it's not like the vests they're making are for sale for the public on their fighter kit website. It's designed for those guys. They can't make a prototype for him to use in the matter of a week's or a couple of months. Of course they can. Of course they can. And now, after you do that, and you work with Stitch, and Stitch knows those guys at Reebok, and he gets a better vest, then he can go back into the public, and he can say Reebok is a OK. <laughs> Rather than you just fire the guy because you can. It's just hardball all the time, man. You ever seen a catcher give the signals first? Sec- you know, for 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 uh, fastball, it's always one finger down. It's just if they're the catcher, it's always fastball, 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 fastball. You know, it's no soft power, man. It's no soft power. It's just hard power coercion. And so people get discontent about it, and then you get blowback like this, which goes on the sponsors, the very people the UFC is trying to covet, trying to take care of, trying to do the right thing by, and by firing this guy for pretty flimsy reasons, um, who is a beloved figure connected to that deal, it's just another dump on Reebok again. That, to me, is the whole issue here. You know, everyone's replaceable. I'm replaceable. You're replaceable. Frankly, Stitch Duran is replaceable. And yes, every business has a right to hire and fire within legal boundaries of who they want. And this was a very legal firing. There's nothing wrong with it. The question is, are you cutting off your nose to spite your face? Does it make sense? Do you all, do you really win in the end? And do your partners win in the end? Because it seems to me... That's not the case here. It seems to me that the hard way, the hard line way of doing this was totally the wrong way. There should have been a soft power co-opt. Look, we need you to work with us on this, but how about this? Can we make it right with you? Or can we make it right with you? And can we put you in touch with Reebok to give them some feedback about how they can do their jobs better to better service your needs, which in the end, servicing Stitch Duran means servicing the fighters everybody wins like that everybody wins but that's not what they do all right Um, let's see. Aldo has said he plans to disregard the new ruling banning IV rehydration after weigh-ins and challenges the USADA UFC to all-involved uh, all to bruises using IVs. Said he does not care about him. Given that we just seen Jacob's sister ran fired because he spoke out, should Jose perhaps reconsider his vocal stance? Jose should say whatever he feels he needs to say. Period. End of story. There's nothing else to say about it. I'm not here to tell you if it's right or it's wrong. Part of the things I think he says are crazy. Part of the things I think he says are right on the money but it's up to him to say what he wants. What we don't need are fighters not speaking out or or giving honest opinions. That's the last thing that we need. And Jose's comments only stand out because so few fighters are honest. That's why. His comments, in the boxing world, people say crazy stuff all the time. All the time. Cover boxing for a couple of years and you'll see it people challenge each other and say horrible things about each other and you know what the world keeps going it keeps turning it's not that big a deal that's sort of the funny part about this like were were stitch's comments like so bad no not really not not as bad as the blowback that the firing caused that's for sure what was worse for what was worse for for reebok the stitch interview or the stitch interview plus the firing which caused the blowback this is a simple this is simple this is easy math versus coming in, maybe suspending him, maybe not, trying to co-opt him, having him talk to Reebok, asking him to be quiet, see if there's a way they can make it right with him. How is how? I mean, this is... HBO Real Sports. All right, Luke, what would you think of the story HBO did on Christy Mack and the rest of the MMA violence? One thing I didn't understand was there was a chart that compared domestic violence of MMA fighters to NFL and average men. Uh, where are they getting these numbers? P.S. How do you they get the rights to the UFC video. Would Zufa actually agree to let them use it or do they not know it was going to be used for? I'm not sure about the Zufa footage part. That may be a, um, God, what's the concept? Um, fair use, a fair use concept. I'm not exactly sure, but whatever the case, um, here's what I thought about it. I thought that they had a lot of good points, I thought that they showed that there definitely is a problem in mixed martial arts. I mean, the the idea that there's not a problem with domestic violence in mixed martial arts is crazy. I think it's one that people are are slowly, slowly reacting to better as the years go by. Uh, A buddy of mine sent me a clip unrelated uh, about Hunter S. Thompson on some TV show um, confronting one of the Hell's Angels. He had been embedded with for years and the hell's angel guy made a joke about how you had to beat your wife every once in a while to keep her in line and the audience gave him an applause break and there was the audience was full of women and everyone kind of laughed and gave him an applause break it was crazy you know how far we've come socially um and people have people have noted a couple things people have said you know there's a problem with domestic violence generally in society which is true um the problem i think what they did was they really kind of sensationalized it a little bit like here's the truth of the matter did War Machine maybe use some MMA techniques to beat up Christy Mack? Or is there some kind of disproportionate amount of um, people in MMA who may resort to domestic violence or have some kind of domestic violence history? Um, all of those things might be true, but there was a couple of problems. Number one, I thought their numbers were weird. Like comparing NFL to MMA, um, you know, just makes no sense. I mean, is it, is it, this is just, you know, nonsensical math, basically. It's not, it's not even a coherent comparison. Um that's the first thing I'd say. That's the the second thing I'd say is, and Julie Kedzie pointed out today on Twitter, like, you know, one victim is too much. Okay. That's definitely true. Like there should be no victims, but the argument they're making is that it's a disproportionate amount of victims and the amount of poor math used. That argument is true. And there is math for it. That's just not the math for it. Right. That's just not the math for it. Um, the math that they use anyway. Um, but I think, to me, you know, one thing that they don't show is, you know, my wife trains. And maybe you guys have some females who are friends, too. Like, I'm so glad my wife trains. And I like seeing women at my gym and at every other gym, not just in jiu-jitsu, but in Muay Thai or in MMA. Because I believe that martial arts is empowering. You know, there is a dark side to MMA. It's this, again, we talked about it before, it's a mix where it is martial arts, but it's also prize fighting. And it's super violent and definitely attracts you know, some, you know, there is a correlation between low incomes and domestic violence. It attracts people down their luck a little bit or have had tough lives. We've often talked about the guys who've had tough lives and have turned it around successfully through MMA and through athletics generally. You know, they're the ones that that fight like dogs because they just have a different mentality about what what is required for success and how much they're willing to go after it. Um, Pat Miletic, famous quote, you know, anybody can um, do well in MMA, but it helps if you've had a tough life, you know. So there is that. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, I think it attracts sometimes it attracts weirdos and and everything else, but the truth of the matter is like, you know, when you get put in a rear naked choke, you saw the reporter get put in a rear naked choke to feel it. These are things that are helpful. I think to understand exactly these, these techniques are serious, but you know, it's all, it's, it's in the hand of the user. Like, yes, these are dangerous. And to the extent that you have some deranged people or people who have, you know, um, where the rates of incidents are higher given the population. These are concerns that should be taken seriously. On the other hand, you know, um, anybody want to go out there and mess with Ronda Rousey tomorrow? You know, there's something to be said for the fact that martial arts are also empowering. And I don't want to call women weak, but I mean, like physically speaking, there's obviously a disadvantage relative to men. Um, hang on. They're obviously a disadvantage relative to men. You know, martial arts is empowering. Martial arts is like it will it, it will it will help you in a self defense situation with your attitude generally with the way you outlook on life, how to avoid problems, how to deal with problems once they're on your doorstep. You know, and and I and I understand that you know that's not what they're talking about. They're they're talking about just the dark side of it. But it just kind of occurred to me. You know, I never ever want to you it, like. The problem we're talking about domestic violence at MMA is that there's full of so many awful creatures in this community who deny it's a problem or laugh about it's a problem or use the bad math to say that there is no problem. The bad math that HBO used is bad. It doesn't actually mean there's not a problem. There's a huge, huge problem. It's a serious problem. Um, the, the root of it, we haven't quite identified the solutions. I think we have some good ideas, but, you know, getting the people who can actually make some choices about those things to do them is another task altogether. But I just kind of also felt like, you know, my wife and I were watching it together. And um, to my knowledge, she has never been the the uh, victim of domestic violence prior, you know, certainly not with me, but, you know, in any previous relationship. Um, you know, but it just sort of like for me, I, I like that my wife likes MMA. And I like that my wife trains because I know when I'm not around. She at least has a a literal fighting chance to protect herself because of all the hard work she's put in on those mats. And maybe it won't save her life, but maybe it will, you know, and maybe it will change the way she's able to talk to people and have confidence. And, you know, like I mentioned before, avoid trouble. So like um, the key to solving the problem is having the stakeholders in power crack it down on it to acknowledge there's a problem because there is, and then I think, you know, anytime you can do anything to empower women to level the playing field is what you should do. And I think MMA can do that. I really and truly believe that. But that said, as a wider culture, we've got a serious issue about disregarding it, not taking it seriously. And the problem with that HBO report was it shined a light on gross things in the community, but then just used some sensationalized reporting here and there with some bad math that I wonder if the critics will use to be like, aha, you know? How, how, how serious is your problem if, if your math is phony? I just disregard this altogether. when, in fact, they have a really good point, and I'm really glad that they aired that segment, even if it was, it was flawed in some ways. Good question. Do you know if the UFC has any programs or conferences for fighters and employees to address domestic violence proactively? I don't know that they well might maybe that's part of the fighter summit I don't know to some extent I'm not sure how much you can get in front of that proactively I mean I think raising awareness generally helps um, that's a good question I don't know I certainly hope but I don't know they they, they very well might I don't know. Do you think it's time they start speaking up publicly about the issue more and doing more public gestures, like donating to women's shelters? Donating to women's shelters would be awesome, man. Like these women need help. Uh, That wouldn't be the issue, but for me, that I wouldn't want that to be just something to make it look like we're doing a good thing when you're not actually doing a good thing. You're just sort of feigning a good thing. Um, You know, obviously, that women the the money would still help women who are in those situations, but at the same time, I would want to see more in terms of um, understanding that. You know, maybe they're fighters not in the way the HBO said it, but in reality could be a little bit more. Just ha- they just have higher incidence rates of domestic violence. This is something that needs to be taken seriously. By the way, uh, one more thing on that stitch to ran related to this. You know, Tiago Silva had that blow up where the police came and he barricaded himself and his wife put out those videos. Now the UFC hired him and then eventually fired him again, but they brought him back before all that stuff. Actually, after all that stuff. It was the first wave of it. She basically didn't pursue the charges. They got dropped. And so he was uh, uh, legally clear. And they brought him back. You know what I mean? They brought him back. So that's a problem as it relates to domestic violence issues because the guy had a sketchy territory issue there anyway. But as it relates to Stitch, it's like Stitch gets fired for a relatively innocuous comments in an interview. And you brought this guy back after all that? just goes to show you if they think you have value, like part of your justice and part of your value to, or, I mean, your justice is commensurate with your value. your your perceived value. So people saying it's ditched a very good cut, man is absolutely true. I said it. I believe it. I think, you know, getting rid of that guy for something so petty is just, you know, it's just vindictive to the utmost degree, but um, he is replaceable, you know, and technical Silva is replaceable too. But I just want to point out like, like, you're so upset by Stitch Duran's comments, and you're not. And you're not upset by until those videos came out about Thiago Silva. Like, okay. Uh, the welterweight division, Luke. I can't help but notice the amount of talented fighters rising up in the rankings at 170 pounds. The welterweight division has always been a marquee weight class for the UFC since the dark ages. Now it seems to have evolved into the most talent-rich sector on the roster. Here's a list of names. Robbie Lawler, Rory McDonald, Johnny Hendricks, Carlos Condit, Woodley, Brown, Lombard, uh, Henderson, Winnie Moonlights, Alves, uh, Gastelum, Story, Gunnar Nelson, Wonderboy Thompson, Dong Hyun Kim, Safadine Mian, Magny, Masvidal, Eric Silva, Demian Maya, Lorenz Larkin, Tumanol, Thatch, Usman, and more. With high-level athletes, credential grapplers, and elite strikers alike, is it safe to say that 170 is the most stacked division as of now? Someone says, don't forget about Juban, Breeze, Dalby, and Till. Yeah, and it's also, um, you know, 155 is a murderer's road, too. 155 and 170 are going to be your strongest men's divisions, for sure. Um, but it's also not just that. We talked about this on the show as well. Those divisions are strong in other organizations, even if they're not even as good as these guys. Like, look at Bellator's welterweight division. It's not as strong as the UFCs, no. But if you're looking um, inside Bellator, is it one of the strongest ones? Yeah, it is, you know. I mean, look what Koreshkov did, just beat Lima. It's not so easy to do. Um, And he did it pretty convincingly, I thought. So there's that, you know. You have those two guys. Uh, And, of course, there's other good weight weights in the organization as well. But um, their 155 division, you know, Will Brooks on down. We know how good that is. So, like, there's just that gap there that worldwide there are tons of good lightweights. And worldwide, there are tons of good welterweights. It's just really talent-rich generally. The UFC actually has the very best of those guys on top of um, everything else. What's up with all the uh, journalism process questions? Before Rousey versus Gohea was announced publicly by the UFC, the Brazilian media and MMA fighting reported the news with sources close to the situation. When can you announce something even though it has not been confirmed or announced publicly when you know it to be true? Pretty simple. Uh, okay. Simple question. How do you see the Dillashaw versus Baral two fight playing out? Does Baral recapture the title? Well, it's only Wednesday, so I haven't gone back. and I need to, I need to go back and watch the first fight. If you're asking my general sense about things, I guess I expect Dillashaw to repeat here. Um, I'm not so sure what I've seen out of Barao since the last fight to give me a you know confidence that he'll go in there and make you know change some things up. But you know anything's possible. He's a good fighter. You know we saw Dillashaw get hit throughout his career, even in the Soto fight. So maybe he can make things happen for himself. He he lasted a long time against Dillashaw, but uh, without having to go back and see the first fight and then seeing what kind of changes. I, I just need to go back and look at the tape. You know, watching tape is so important for like. So for me, you know, Fight Pass has become quite a valuable resource in that regard. But um, if you're asking my general sense, several days out, it's definitely going to be Dillashaw. But I, I just don't want to overspeak until I have a really good reason to give you one. Cross Promotion Fighters Association. Luke, I was wondering if fighters across cross promotions could form some type of association similar to the tennis players. As far as I know, tennis players are self-employed and they provide services to different tournaments at which they play. Even if they are not employees, they have agreed to give negotiation power to a few representatives which deal with tournament organizers on matters of prizes, schedule, who plays where, etc. If fighters were to take this approach, they would not need to fight. They would need to... F- yes, they would. someone's asking, yes, the first step towards anything is reclassification. They have Someone has to take them to court, UFC to court, or Zufa, whatever, and win a lawsuit that says, okay, not that we're trying to tear you to pieces, but we're not independent contractors were employees once you become and that's you know no automatic thing you'd have to win a court case i mean this is a very difficult task um but once you did that then as an employee you can organize in the manner you're speaking although i don't think that would happen i think the association you would get would be like ufc fa you know ultimate fighting championship fighters association something like that i don't think it would cross across across uh, boundaries that seems like too much of an organizing issue um, well, although you never know, you never know. Cause once they all got reclassified, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe Jose Aldo versus McGregor. I really think McGregor doesn't stand a chance. And I think Aldo is going to dominate him. Am I crazy? Yes, you are crazy. Aldo might win, but that one there, there, there will be blood But that one. Uh, Three do's and don'ts when you're a writer, reporter, dealing with managers, fighters, or executives. Um, I'll just give you one do and one don't. Um, Do not fawn over them and do not treat them as anything more or less than what they are. And do make sure that you're not wasting your opportunity when you speak with them. Also, to the extent possible, having good relationships with them. uh, You have to decide what's more important, getting information on them. Or having good relationships, where you can constantly go back to the well. Um, you know, if you have someone you can always text who always gets a response, who's in a high position of power, you got to understand that could not necessarily, but that could come with some costs about what you can say else about them in an editorial standpoint. So you always have to make sure that you know there are people who might be in a position where you just don't want to have that relationship with them because you want to be able to have an editorial opinion. Uh, there are others who might be, you know, who, who who you may be able to make that work with. Um, yeah. But, you know, the highest people in the business, I'm I'm very much glad I don't really know them personally because it allows me to sort of take a step back and, and give an opinion about it when I think we live in a sport where, you know, this is the only sport I feel like where having an opinion, like, matters, you know. Having an opinion in football matters and having an opinion in baseball matters, but, like, everyone's got one and, you know. It's why you see people like Nate Silver backed up by statistics, because it's really important that, you know, your obloviating opinion is at least based in some kind of reality. Obviously, those sports like baseball lend themselves more to stats. But in MMA, it's such a there's such a omerta, you know, such a culture of silence everywhere, partly by natural circumstances. Everyone's a fan. No one wants to be, you know, a dick to everyone else. Uh, but you, know, you see the fire stitch stitched Rand, you know, this is not done an accident so that everyone can keep voicing their wonderful opinions about Reebok. Um, yeah, so I think having an opinion actually matters in the sport and saying it publicly, not a stupid one, but one you can, you know, through the through the course of history, you can look back on and tie important events to and maybe have some data to support or whatever the case may be. Uh, Do you see Fedor signing, who do you see Fedor with signing upon his return, UFC or Bellator? Well, if you saw the interview on uh, Monday's MMA Hour with Ariel, with uh, Vadim Finkelstein, or Stein, or whatever it is, seems like UFC might be in the running, you know? Um, I still think Bellator, not for any particularly good reason, only with a limited amount of information that I have, which is not particularly great, but at the same time, I don't know. So many of the circumstances from the first time around have changed, M1 co-promotion, not really a part of the deal. Fedor very much, you know, was needing to fight the very top guys at the time. I don't think he has to do that now. So, uh, you know, he can, I mean, there's almost like a farewell tour or even a goodwill tour. It's not the same things as if you lose, are you still that guy? We know he's not that guy and that's okay. This is very much about nostalgia and romanticism and paying for it. So it's not the same kind of thing. And certainly the UFC can make him what I'm sure is a very competitive offer. I'm sure that they want to get that white whale even under the present circumstances, just to have it checked off that Fedor fought in the UFC. You know, which I think would, uh, I think if he fought in the UFC, what you don't have to think about is would he then go into the Hall of Fame? My understanding with the Hall of Fame is that he actually doesn't even have to fight in the UFC to go in the UFC Hall of Fame. But I just mean realistically, you know, if he fought the UFC and he won, even if it's just one fight, I mean, Boz only fought in the UFC twice right? So if you fought in the UFC and won, you could say, hey, this, this is a guy who competed in this organization. They got all the rights to pride and the library and everything else. You can talk about his body of work and they have the, they have the stuff for affliction and everything else. So um, there's part of that too, right? Making him like not, not owning him, but co-opting him in a way where, you know, uh, everyone kind of wins. Um, so there's that as well to think about, which Bellator can't really offer him. I'm sure Bellator can make a pretty competitive offer, but the other thing you have to talk about is, you know, Are they just saying all this stuff to butter up UFC to get UFC to raise their price tag so that Bellator raises their price tag, and then they just go back with what they already know and like in Scott Coker? You know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mentioned before that some of the people around Fedor, I don't think, have a particularly strong relationship with UFC. Maybe they're minor functionaries that are orbiting around him. We'll see. We'll see. Certainly UFC can pay more, um, and I think do more with him, but your guess is as good as mine. Someone says, the UFC is willing to sign CM Punk just to stop a competitor from getting a potential draw, there is no way they'll let Fedor go to Bellator. Well, it's not up to them. So I'm not sure how much that matters. Bellator's heavyweight division is a massive step down in terms of both competition and name recognition. Yeah, you know, you have, you talk about the Couture fight. Couture was on our show on SiriusXM, and I asked him about it. I was like, have you talked to a lawyer? Because I believe there's a sunset clause in California after five years of retirement. And he retired in 2011, so that'd be 2016. Um... About, about uh, you know, are you done with your UFC contract? And he's like, no, I'd have to do that. So my, my question, by thinking about it, the other thing that may maybe the issue here is, like, if they can't, look, if they can make the Couture fight happen, well, then all bets are off. But does, does, does Couture really want to go into, like, another court battle with Zufa? I don't know. You know, it didn't go so well for him the first time. So there's that. Uh, you know, I don't think that UFC wants to go to a court battle with Couture either, but i like their chances a little bit more, just for all the reasons, forever. it says, Bellator doesn't have a pay-per-view product, so the pay-per-view buy incentives in the UFC contract will exceed the cash he'll get from Bellator. Uh, you don't know that. That's the normal mechanism, but I bet you he'd get a special Viacom deal. And they can always game out what they would make. You know, we can game out. If you sold a million pay-per-view buys, here's what you'd make. We can match that in just straight-up cash, you know. Because they, they have access to old people's, like Couture's like, old contract. It's not it's not hard to find. Don't you think it's hypocritical to bash the NSAC so bad for their anti-doping program and then calling them incompetent and whatnot? But when the UFC comes out with theirs, your tone suddenly changes a ton. You're so much more sensitive expressing your views. I don't know what you're talking about. I've been, I've been lax on, I'm not just talking about the marijuana issue. Really? You think I'm soft on UFC? Why don't you ask them how soft on them I am? Why don't you ask Usada how soft on them I am? Jesus. Some people say I'm too harsh, other ones say I'm too soft. So y'all need to make up your mind, man. Also, the role that the regulators play is more minimal and publicly funded. And I think that changes the equation a little bit, but whatever. Let's keep going. UFC should replay the main and co-main fights of UFC 189 on the upcoming Fox show. Yeah, I put out a question on Twitter the other day, and I asked, and I didn't mean this to, like, be disparaging of the Fox card, because I actually think the main card for the Fox card this weekend is pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. And I asked, what would do better ratings? If they just re-aired, you know, obviously spliced up, but if they re-aired the UFC 189 main card on Fox this weekend, or UFC on Fox 16 just normally, what would do better ratings? Just about everyone agreed that UFC 189 would do better. A couple of people thought UFC and Fox 16 would do better. But I didn't mean it to be like disparaging a Fox 16, but more just a, a testament to the strength of UFC 189, and how good that card was. Um, but no, I mean, they won't do those things. It's proprietary, you know, in nature. And But it's just kind of funny, you know, it's just great. Mayweather fights pack, yeah, a week later you can watch it for free on Showtime. So I know that fight wasn't particularly good, but, you know, when a fight is good, they'll still do the exact same thing. They rush to get it back on their platform, even after pay-per-view. So um, definitely would be fun to, to, to have the OC try something similar. If or does return, who would you like to see him against? Uh, I hope he actually does not return. I think I'm the only person on the planet who thinks that, but it's true. I hope he stays retired. But if he is going to come back... Um, Maybe, maybe Josh Barnett, because um, I always wanted to see that fight. Maybe, God, too bad they can't get Brock back, huh? Um, I wouldn't want to see Nogueira. I wouldn't want to see maybe the Orlovsky fight. That'd be kind of fun, you know? Who would win this? Let me give this a rec. Who would win this lightweight tournament? Dustin Poirier versus Ali Quinta, Eddie Alvarez versus Tony Ferguson. So I like Poirier over I Quinta barely. And I like Ferguson over Alvarez. And then I like Ferguson over Poirier. But even if it's I Quinta, Quinta, whatever. I like Ferguson over him too. True or false? UFC 191 does under. 175,000 pay-per-view buys. It might. So I'll just say true. Burrell finishes Dillashaw within four rounds. I'll say false. Dana White goes on a rant within the week about the HBO special on domestic violence. I will say false. And someone has a funny joke. Mike Giappetta regrets agreeing to a 178-pound catchweight fight against Matt Hughes back at UFC 60. It's a picture of Hoist Gracie because it looks like Mike Chiappetta. Funny. Bisping, title shot ever. On the strength of his performance against Talos Laitis, do you think Mike Bisping will get a title shot? No, but then when you look around, like Alexander Gustafson's getting one after getting knocked out, anything's possible, I suppose. Weidman has said he would beat him in sleep in just two minutes. Are you inclined to agree? Well, I certainly would favor Weidman. You know, this, this issue about Mike Bisping, I've been thinking a lot about, actually. This one's, they texted me. What are they saying? Um, Michael Bisping is an interesting character. Because if I asked you, do you think he belongs in the UFC Hall of Fame, what would you say? I would say no, right now. I think he still hasn't quite written the last chapter of his career, so I leave it open to see what he can do. But for me, it's not the UFC Hall of really good, it's not the realist. The UFC Hall of, you know, amazing careers. It's the UFC Hall of Fame, and to having never won a title or even fought for a title, granted the circumstances are a little bit difficult, but still, you know, you had you had ten years to get a title shot. And you never could turn that corner. Now maybe he does before he calls it quits, and we can have a different debate. Uh, is a little too much for me to overlook. But I will say something that I think is sort of remarkable about this being's career. I don't think as of now he belongs in the UFC Hall of Fame. But I think what I would say is watching him compete against Talos Laitis, especially when Laitis was doing really well in that third round, you know, hammering him. Um, it was sort of illustrative to me that, yes, Talos Laitis was a different fighter and had earned his way back and had fought for a title. In many ways, he had done things that Mike hadn't. You know, he got that elusive title shot and didn't do much with it, of course. But, you know, look, he was there. He was, he was in that position. Michael lacks, I think, the things you need to really be put in the Hall of Fame. But to, to having never been cut, you know, and despite having, you know, his ups and downs in the sport, but still doing just enough where meritoriously you could never argue he should have been cut. Never had that Dan Hardy against Anthony Johnson moment where you're like, wow, I mean, are we going to cut this guy or what? Um, I think is hugely impressive, hugely impressive. And we take it for granted. You talk about guys having longevity in a sport at the top of the food chain, man, that is hard to do. And Michael Bisping has done it, you know. Um, Fight Metro will will tell you that, you know, how many guys have a three-fight win streak or more in the UFC or have ever had a three-fight win streak or more in the UFC. It's a small number. I mean, the number of guys who are able to have a career as long as he has had without being cut in the UFC, like straight across – Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Not enough to get you into the Hall of Fame. You got you just gotta win the big ones, I feel like, but um still a damn impressive career. UFC one hundred eighty nine, any word on pay-per-view buys, did it exceed well over your initial prediction? Well, I'll definitely say that, you know, I said I was worried it could go as low as four hundred thousand. Definitely is not gonna go that low. I would say the minimum it would probably go would be around six. That's the bare minimum. I'm guessing somewhere between six and nine is where I'm going to get 600,000, 900,000. I don't think it crossed a million. Uh, I certainly think that if they can do it right and they can get a good card, um, McGregor versus Aldo will. I feel very comfortable saying that, Um, but this one did really well. The only difference for me, uh, because people were asking about traffic for this one, um. Heading into it, it was very similar to Jones versus Cormier traffic, which is very good, super high, really, really high. Um, But afterwards, it stayed high in ways that it didn't for Jones-Cormier. Like, after Jones-Cormier had their resolution, everything slowly went sort of back to normal. That was not what happened after 189. Everything stayed huge because it was this coronation of this guy and McGregor. It was the pageantry and the majesty of 189. It was, you know, I think the buzz about the event itself. Like, hey, like, forget all the pageantry. It was just killer fights. It was the Lawler McDonald epic, epic fight. So like all those factors, you know, here's the funny thing. I talked about it before. They were, you know, I think Dina White was saying before the fight, like well before the fight, like two, three weeks out, he was saying, you know, it's already trending over a million buys. How could you possibly know that? Like no one buys pay-per-views until the last couple of days. So to me, that didn't make a lot of sense. But what I will say is, and this is part of my argument, was like DirecTV, when he said that, wasn't even selling UFC 189 on pay-per-view. It was still selling UFC 188. Because what happens is, even after a fight is over, the MSOs, like DirecTV or whatever, they'll keep on the the pay-per-view that's already aired for like a week or two more. Not maybe not two weeks, but maybe a week or so more um so people can buy if they missed it and you would say well who would do that ordinarily i don't know the answer to that i bet you some people do that after 189 i bet you they did i bet you after 189 people were like man i know i missed it live but i keep hearing amazing things about this let me buy it i bet you i bet you that there was a uh an effect of man did you see those fights last night no dude you got to see them you got to see them people being like all right i guess i got to see them you know i bet there i bet there was some of that for sure more so than there ever has been or at least you know in a while, anyway. <coughs> Let's try this hipster hipster in a can. That is not good. Ooh. Tastes like like seltzer. You, you ever see it? Uh, if you were as old as me, you remember the days when girls would come to your fr- fraternity house because I was in a fraternity in college. Yes, I know. Hit me in the face with a shovel. Uh, and they would drink Zima because they wouldn't drink your beer. Whatever. And they would put gummy bears or like Jolly Ranchers in the Zima to make it taste better. That's what that tastes like. In other words, feces. Uh, all right. I was all set to nominate Mike Goldberg. Absolutely. But now we have more options. Who is your pick this week for the Gibbert Melendez Award? Is it number one? UFC brass for firing Stitch Duran. Number two. The MMA fighters who were discussed on HBO Real Sports and domestic violence giving all fighters a bad rep. Three, Henner Gracie for making it sound like all MMA fighters are super violent in their private lives. Four, the UFC fighters who keep saying they will miss Stitch but don't speak their mind. Others. Um, I would say the fighters who say they'll miss him but don't speak their mind is, you know, I mean, come on, fellas. Is it really that hard to say something nice or how you really feel? Anthony Johnson did. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, got to be UFC brass. Because it doesn't really hurt them that much. You know, they'll they'll get another very competent, very good uh, you know, cut man or cut woman. Life will go on, everyone's replaceable, but you know, it's just like Reebok has to suffer yet more because of it. You know. I was gonna tweet yesterday. The funny thing about the whole Stitch thing is like like it it's not like if Stitch didn't do that interview. That folks wouldn't have known there were issues with the Reebok deal. <laughs> right? Like, it wasn't like that was a secret. Of all the things everyone said about the Reebok deal, from media to fighters to managers to retail suppliers to whatever, Stitches might be at the bottom of the list in terms of severity or, you know, negativity. He still gets, I mean, all right. Heart, you know, fastball down the middle. I guess that's what you want to throw. Um, you touched on this recently, but do you have any insight into what kind of money fighters tend to get in a locker room bonus? I truly hope it's as significant for the likes of Duffy, Rory, etc. Um, there's no hard data. I'm very reluctant to give any information. I'll just say what I typically hear is that they're not as common as they used to be, but they still are a part of the UFC experience and that they typically are around five to 10 K, but, I don't have any hard data on that at all. It could be way more for the guys at the very elite who realistically don't tell me very much. So take it for what it's worth. Fight night Dublin. Look, with the upcoming fight night in Dublin, what can us Irish fans expect? Gunny Nelson, main with Joe Duffy, comaine? And if so, who do you envisage their respective opponents being? Somebody was saying Joe Duffy versus Dustin Poirier. Yes, please. Yes, please. I right, take it tomorrow. Uh, you'd get probably uh, Ashling Daly. Uh, maybe they find a way to put Houlihan on there. Maybe Cajal. The the, the figure. Was, uh, let me just say something, man. You know what's crazy to me? And I talked about this on the Monday Morning Analyst. Everyone, everyone talks about, you know, is Conor McGregor legit? Is he not legit? I did a Monday Morning Analyst breaking down the fight. It was the most watched one ever. Um, not because it was particularly, you know, anything special about what I did, but just because everyone wants to know and, you know, talk about Conor McGregor, right? It's just what it is. It was just the, It's just the halo effect that he has. Um, <laughs> it's crazy to me, though. Look, I don't know how good Joe Duffy is. We're going to find out. But here's what I know for sure. Um, he can fight. If you're Irish and you're spending all your time watching Conor McGregor, I'm not here to say it's not okay and that you shouldn't love him, that he's not more important than Joe Duffy, because in many ways he is but look out because here he comes. Joe Duffy is a destroyer of men. Um, I need to see how good he really is. I think he's still actually learning and fitting things into his game, but he has a natural calmness that you just cannot. I mean, he's got Fedor-esque calmness in there. You know, not too happy. I mean, Fedor is like super calm, but so he may be a little bit more high spirited than that, but like, He's like a Fedor mixed with a Kyle Dake. Kyle Dake, when he won the national title, I was thinking, Mike, I was like, this guy he has to go, he has to wrestle David Taylor on the precipice of history, right? He becomes the first guy to win four national titles in four different weight classes, which is like a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal feat. You know, only now three guys have done it. At the time, there'd only been one, and he was the second one. Kel Sanderson, Kyle Dake, and now uh, Logan Stever. And ESPN interviewed him. And they said, "You know were you nervous?" And he was like, "Nervous. I'm not nervous at all. Like when the big lights come on and there's the big stage, he goes, "I love it. I live for it. It's what is the most fun for me. So while you or I, or maybe, maybe, maybe many of the wrestlers may get nervous about it, what if this happens? What, you know how am I going to deal with this particular portion of his game? Kyle's like, "Yes, this is, this is where I shine." This is where I do my best work. I feel like he's that mixed with the calmness of Fedor. Like, I feel that way inside, but I'm not going to let my body, you know, react in a way where, I, you know, I get too far in the position. Or I'm not thinking straight or whatever case. It it's like that, dude. It's like that. It's crazy. Uh, that guy's brain heading in there. You know, we talk about McGregor being bulletproof and he is. And again, we don't know enough about Joe Duffy. There's still a lot to learn about him. But I'm telling you, look out, dude. If you're Irish and you're giving all your love to Conor McGregor, I would caution against that. I would say give, a, give much of your love to him. But you need to pay attention to Joe Duffy because he is legit. Super legit. Yeah, people are saying asking about how you can test for the IV, and some saying it leaves trace amounts of plastic from the IV tube in the blood. Uh, maybe they can test for that, you know. But you know what? They might find ways around that too. You just never know. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But I don't really know. Uh, okay, UFC on Fox. August of this year will be the four-year anniversary of the seven-year deal. Is the deal going as you expected? Uh, mostly. I expected higher highs on Fox. I don't think they've reached quite as high, but I think they've done commendably well. Do you believe it's going as the UFC expected? I don't know what the UFC expected, so I can't answer that. Do you believe it's going as Fox expected? I'll say that Fox is winning in terms of like how much they get out of it. They get out so much from this deal. So much. Uh, do you expect it to get renewed? You know, I was thinking about that. I know that there have been some bumps in the road between UFC and Fox um, that may have not made public news. And, you know, I think any brand, if you're the UFC, when your deal is up, you're going to want to see, hey, NBC Sports, are you going to want to take us? Um, remember, UFC almost tried to make a UFC channel for a while. You know, they, they abandoned that idea at the last minute and went with this one. But um, are they going to go make a UFC channel? Are they going to go maybe to CBS Sports? Are they going to maybe go to ESPN? And as I think about it, I don't know what the answer is, but the Fox fit is good for any number of reasons, if not the least of which is that how would ESPN even take the inventory that UFC does? I mean, think about all the shows that UFC has on Big Fox. You have four a year, Um, all the prelims on your pay-per-views um all just the regular fight night cards. We're talking, you know, thirty, thirty weeks a year or more, up to forty or more, whatever the whatever the number is, where all your stuff is on, you know, what basically if you're Fox, mostly one or two channels, mostly one channel. Occasionally Fox Sports Two, not often, and then occasionally Fox only four times a year. Um more or less. And you have the ultimate fighter, you know, you just got a lot of stuff. Like does ESPN really even have the room for that? I don't know that they do. I don't know that they do. So I don't know. I don't know would they reinvest in Fight Pass. I'm told I got some sources telling me that UFC has pulled back on Fight Pass because um, they haven't quite had the sales there that they had projected. And I think Fox Sports is happy to some extent to take some of that inventory. But this is my point. Like, Fox Sports 1 is so new still. And Fox Sports 1 has, you know, they have some great um, sports that they cover that they have the, the rights to. Champions League soccer, upcoming Bundesliga. They had the Women's World Cup, which was a huge success. Um, To some extent, college basketball. To some extent, baseball. You get the idea. So they have some of these things. But UFC is just a big win for them because they have so much live event content that the UFC provides for them that I don't know that ESPN will be able to do unless you put a bunch of it back on ESPN 3, some on ESPN 2. But even then, ESPN 2 airs a lot of live coverage too. They have women's college softball and college baseball and lacrosse and you know, I mean, just tons and tons of uh, of stuff go, goes on there. So I don't know. I really don't know. Best worst part of the execution of the first half of the deal. The best part has been, I think that, and for me, what I really enjoyed about the Fox Sports coverage has been the UFC needed a media entity to help the UFC fit into the larger ecosystem of sports. If you look at a lot of websites that cover sports or or sports organizations, particularly at your local level, like how often do they cover? Like if you watch your local news tonight and you turn it on and you say, I want to see the recap in sports. And here's, you know, Bill Hicks. Here's Tom with the weather. Tom does the weather. Here's Sally with the sports update. Sally does her sports update. Well, if Sally did a sports update in D.C., she would talk about the Nationals. She would talk about Redskins training camp coming up. She would talk about maybe uh, Caps arbitration, with not Joe Ward, but uh, Braden Holtby. Um, She would talk about Oubre Jr. at the Summer League for the Wizards, and then maybe something else. And that would be it. You wouldn't really talk about MMA. That's a local issue more than it is a national issue. But I guess I just mean combat sports are still kind of a cousin to sports sometimes, at least in some people's minds. And what I feel like Fox Sports has done is almost in an exaggerated way, but what I feel like they've done is made it part of the larger ecosystem of sports where it's like, yeah, there's basketball, football, soccer, MMA, and it just goes on down the line. Not at the top of the list, of course. It's always going to be kind of where it is, but it's still, it's, it's still more readily grouped, okay? And I feel like they've done a pretty good job of, of making it seamless in that regard. Um, the worst part about it is because of the way in which Fox Sports has been able to accept all that inventory. I just feel like the oversaturation issue is is undeniable and I feel like it has affected uh, business. Um, you know, yeah, you can go to Scotland and you can do a million five on your first time there. Let's see if you can do a million five your second time, you know. They always do big gates at the first places they go to, and then it's to some extent varies as they go the more they go there. This is all a recency effect. It's not a it's not a proof that oversaturation isn't real. It's just that you've never been to Scotland. Well, let's see what your second and third and fourth shows in Scotland look like. Um and uh, you know, just the card quality has declined, I think. Uh you know, the sport has gotten better while the card quality has declined. I mean, yes, guys who are on the prelims now could beat some of the guys who were, you know, on main cards of UFC seven, eight years ago. But the guys who were on main cards of UFC seven, eight years ago were more or less, you know, the best available guys they could find who weren't in Pride or some other place. Now that you've got all the best, um, I just feel like there's too many shows. And Fox is like, hey, we'll take more. And so there is. Oh, and then these three-hour main card broadcasts. Oh, my God. So painful. So painful. Someone says the deal didn't start until January of 2012. This is true. So it would make it the three-year mark. The three-year mark. It was announced in August of 2011, right? Here we go. Joe Duffy. What do you think the UFC should do with an exciting and talented Irishman next? Dustin Poirier. Gotta be. This kid can fight. He needs to fight somebody who we know can also fight. and Dustin Poirier can fight. That's what you need to do. In Ireland. Yes, please. <laughs> I mean, if you make that fight, oh, man. Let's see. Crazier outcome and finish. Andre Olofsky versus Travis Brown or Frank Mir and Todd Duffy? Oh, definitely Olovsky versus Brown. Mears was Mir was landing that left hand from the first exchange. Go back and watch the Monday morning analyst. Um Mir was winning that from the first from the very first go. Uh, you know, there was listen, Duffy landed a couple nice rights. Um, and I think at one point had Mir stumbling just a little bit, but that left hand was finding a home through the course of the fight. Todd Duffy. Luke, how does a fighter in the main event earn $12,000? Is This is a record for the lowest payment in modern times in UFC. How can they deem a fighter worthy of a main event, main eventing a, a show, while at the same time uh, being the third lowest paid fighter on the card? Um, I had a debate about this on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Luke T Sports. People were saying, well, you don't know what he got in bonuses. Okay, you're right. I don't. Um, here's what I'm going to say about that. It is certainly... Possible that Duffy got more in some way that we don't know about. But you don't get credit for it. If you intentionally keep it secret, you don't deserve public credit for it. That's just a rule. So if you say something like, well, we pay these guys things you don't know, that's cool. If we don't know about it, you don't get credit for it. You know, you, can, you, you, you don't have to change your system because of us. You can still keep your system because it has benefits for you but you don't get to keep your system and get our praise for things which we can't verify to be true. So as far as I'm concerned, until I'm given evidence to the contrary, he got for however many fights he got it would be the 2,500 to 5,000 for Reebok and then 12,000 for this. So it's about, you know, I say best case scenario, 17,000, um, you know, take about 35% for taxes, 10% for management or more. You see what he's left with. So there you go. Someone says someone asks, How does a fighter in the main event get twelve thousand dollars? And then someone replies quite stupidly because the deal he signed stipulated that he would get paid twelve thousand to show. If your argument about well, it's fair that a guy got something because he signed a contract in an environment where they have guys like Duffy have virtually no leverage please stop watching this podcast forever because you can't think beyond stage one. Here's stage one. Here are the facts way past stage one. And then here's you. That's all I'm going to say about that. If your argument for something about, well, he's signed a contract in an environment where they they have very little opportunity to to, uh, push back on management to up their value or collectively bargain, um, or know if they're getting generally 50% of the pie of um, Zufa profits, or revenue anyway, stop watching forever. Would you rather read Gawker or watch a pro wrestling match? I'd rather read Gawker, but boy, talk about self-immolation. There we go. Someone asked exactly what I thought about. Luke, in the light of the stitch firing, I am forced to wonder how the overwhelmingly negative response to the kits and unintended consequences of this deal may impact Reebok's sales of the kits and any future investment on their part on apparel deals. I personally don't see many casual fans picking up these Reebok kits, so it falls to the hardcores to drive revenue. The hardcore fan is more educated and is now aware of the unintended negative consequences this deal has wrought. Reebok is not a brand with the cachet of a Nike or an Under Armour. Will all this backlash result in fewer kits purchased from the core MMA audience than initial projections? There might be some of that. I've seen some people say they're going to have boycotts on UFC content. I don't believe that. So you notice they're going to have boycotts on Reebok content. I don't know what to think about that. That might be true. That might be true or untrue. I don't know. Resulting in less of a financial benefit from Reebok's perspective, that could potentially impact future deals and the future of this corporate relationship. You make a kit, you take away, some guys might make more, a lot of guys might make less. You, you, you don't really consult them when you make it, you force them to wear it, you take away their sponsors, um, not outside the octagon, but in the places where like it matters. Uh, and you know, so you sow seeds of discontent because they were just told what to do. There wasn't really a kind of collaborative effort there. UFC may say, we don't need to have a collaborative effort. You may not need to, cause you can do it. That doesn't mean it's the best way to go about doing it. Coercion is not always the best policy. Um, and then, you know, you're firing stitch and you don't let any of the other apparel brands into the, into the expo. And you can do all these things because you can, doesn't mean it's the best policy and way to handle it. Um, and the people most affected by this, if you ask me, I mean, F Reebok and not just F, but F U C K Reebok was a, was trending on Twitter. Like that's not good. You know, that's so not good. Uh, And I'm not in any way telling you to boycott, although I will say, like, I feel like Reebok is getting way more of the unintentional blowback than they deserve. And I think that's definitely true. On the other hand, I don't consider them to be, like, innocent totally – I should say this. I don't consider them to be totally innocent bystanders because people are saying, well, you know, this is a Zufa deal. Reebok's just trying to do something for their brand. Mm-hmm they knew what they were getting into. They joined a company that had an existing lawsuit filed against them for, you know, antitrust. And you could say, well, it's a frivolous lawsuit or not. Certainly something that they, you know, they knew they had an FTC investigation. That's been reopened. Now you have this lawsuit. Um, you know, if you do any kind of your due diligence, th- those things should come up. You know that you're able to, you're paying for these guys, you know, they're independent contractors. Um, and you know that some of them, like no, like no one in Reebok asked if they're if the guys are losing money. Like no one asked that. No one Reebok says, again, I've asked this. It was the first question I asked on this chat when it happened. Are you putting the money in that you're taking out? And the answer pretty clearly is no. For some guys, it's more. But for the guys at the top, not really. No one Reebok asked that? Really? I find that very hard to believe. Very hard to believe. There's just more people at work at Reebok. They know. So, you know, look, it's a great deal for them, right? That's why they did it. But just because it's a great deal for them, doesn't mean that they're totally ignorant of all of the intricacies and whether or not some of these things are fair to some of the actors that are involved here. Um, again, I think they're getting an unfair blowback from some of these other things. You know, Stitch being fired is not Reebok's fault. So so Reebok getting attacked for it seems to me kind of ridiculous. Um, but that's what's going to happen when you just, this is, this is how you manage everything, you know. The numbers come back for UFC 189 We've already discussed that, but someone asks, was Conor the needle mover the UFC had hoped he would be? Yes, and then some. And then some. Let's go to the Twitter machine if we can. Uh, how many more fights in Aldo's contract? Yes or no, Aldo will finish his career in Bellator. No, I doubt that. I don't know how many fights his contract, but he's not going to finish him in Bellator. Uh, your thoughts on Jose Aldo threatening to sue Chael and the UFC over a rib injury defamation. Did, dude, did y'all see this story? I saw it in uh, MMA Fighting. I don't know who published it, or uh, uh, MMA Mania. I don't know who published it first. Apparently on Chael Sonnen's podcast, and I don't know if it's true. I do not know if it's true. It sounds like it's true. I might text Chale after this. Chale said on his podcast that he gets a call from some lawyer, uh, I believe a woman, saying, you know, if you don't stop saying these things about Jose Aldo, you know, we're going to file suit. And it turns out the woman, at least she identified herself as a lawyer for Jose Aldo, whether or not she is or isn't, I don't know. Um, and his point was, you know, uh, his point was, well, look, I'm only repeating things that were said publicly. How are you going to sue me for repeating things that are publicly? And apparently, this lawyer told Chael as Chael repeats the story that they that this lawyer, if that is in fact actually a lawyer, I mean, I'm just telling you the elements of the story. How much of this is true? I don't know. The story says that. This woman was like, well, the UFC, they're going to get, you know, they're they're, going to be be told about this as well, or some sort of vague legal threat to UFC about comments that some of their brass may have made. Um, So Chael has repeated this. I don't know if any of this is true, but if it is, (laughs) and Jose Aldo is actually threatening to sue retired fighters and or the UFC for defamation, and again, let's put a huge caveat on it. I have no idea how much of this is true. That is crazy. That is crazy. I, I, parts of me wants to believe that the threat might be true, right? Like he would, he would threaten the act of doing it. He wouldn't actually go through with it. But I don't know, man. I don't know. You know, it's really kind of crazy. That's nuts. That's totally nuts. Uh, let's see. So down the Twitter hole, if we can. Someone's asking, How do you join the live chat? you got to go to MMAfighting.com. There's always a post about it. Uh, let's see. Uh, I want to watch more pay per view events without having to go out eating. What do you think is the future of pay per view events at theaters? I think it works in some cases. Um, it doesn't work, you know, I mean, it's like anything else. If it's a big pay per view, you'll get more people to go. If it's a lesser pay-per-view, you won't. I've never actually watched a pay-per-view in a theater, um, so I don't know if that's good. Some people who I know have done it have enjoyed the experience. I think it's a little bit less than paying for a pay-per-view, but if you get, I mean, I guess you could sneak in concessions. I don't know. I don't know how that would work. Uh, Try it and let me know. Someone says, I totally remember the Jolly Ranchers and Zimas. appreciate the reference. Someone says, "Uh, what fraternity were you in? I was in Sigma Pi. I think that chapter got closed a couple years after, not a couple years, maybe six or seven years after I graduated for just being absolute F ups. Uh, are you coming over for the Dublin card? Madrid playing away game. I know. No, I'm not going to make it, unfortunately. What is, is there a declining correlation? Excuse me. Is there a correlation? between a declining economy and pay-per-view sales. Yeah, of course. You know, less disposable income means... Pay-per-view is suffering for everyone. It's not like pay-per-view is just bad for UFC or like only UFC has suffered some kind of... You know, And obviously, I think 189 is going to have great numbers. Pay-per-view is weird. It's not the medium it used to be. There's generally decline for everyone, but there's still enough gold in the hills where if you have a Conor McGregor, there's a lot of money to be made. I think that's the way to kind of look at it. Uh, Let's see. Someone says, if you retweeted 100 derogatory tweets about your employer, should you be surprised when you get fired? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on your employer. Someone says, you don't want Fedor to come back. What a bummer. This is hilarious. Look, if you work at the local library and you tweet a bunch of stuff about your local library and they fire you, no one cares if you get fired. People care if you fire Stitch, especially when the reason why he was tweeting was he was airing I think in some cases pretty reasonable grievances. That's sort of the issue. It doesn't matter if you have the again, I have to say this. It doesn't matter if you have the right or like if it's common in other practices. The question is what happens when you actually do it. What is the blowback? Well, the blowback is you're hurt, killing, you know, the not, not you, but the donks are out there with pitchforks against Reebok, the very, you know, apparel brand you've been trying to lure into the sport for its long-term growth. You know, I, you think P- Reebok is like sitting back being like thrilled with all the negativity that's been surrounding this deal, but because everyone got coerced along the way, that's what happens. Doesn't matter if you can, you, you can do. A, they can do a bunch of stuff. Does it make sense? Is the question. Say, World Series of Fighting goes like Strike Force and Viacom tries to buy them. Okay. Does Zufa let them or do Zufa try and buy them as well? Uh, I don't know if Zufa would try and buy them. I mean, it would depend on the price, of course, and what the value of the assets are. And there's not much, a whole lot of value to the assets. If, if Bellator bought World Series of Fighting, they would dissolve it immediately. Like, there's not money to be made there. There might be some fighters you want. Um, you know, it'd be good to have Jake Shields in the Bellator fold or who's more Paharis or, um, you know, um, any number of guys that they have there. But that's not the same thing, you know. it says, weird how stacked lightweight is." yet we've only had one main event in the, uh, the division this year, Pettis versus Dos Anjos. That is true. It's a good point. Uh, do you think the stitch firing and the outrage from the fighters could lead further to fighters organizing? Judging by the response on Twitter, no. This is not about that. This is just about, I think, the, the blowback to Reebok. I don't think it has much to do with anything else. Uh, someone says I think Onnit is an official sponsor of the UFC now. I haven't heard that. If you got proof of that, let me know because I have not heard that. Let's see what else we got here on the Twitter machine. Do you think MMA has got too skillful, and the art has got so much for Fedor to compete competitively? Um well look, does it really matter if he's only coming back for one fight? If He's coming back for one big payday to get that UFC fight, to go into the UFC Hall of Fame, to have some big pay-per-view, to get a bunch of cash. Who cares? You know, does it I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it proves all that, but my general sense is like you know, doesn't really matter. Someone says, what is the exact definition of a donk? If you don't know, that probably means you are one. All right. Uh, someone says, uh, have you ever been approached to join the Fox Sports UFC team in any capacity? Uh, no, not really. And, um, you know, would I entertain a... Offer. I mean, I've listened to anything offer, but no. You know, I, I, nothing, nothing's really happened. Someone says here's a champion Fabricio Verdum, two is Kane Velazquez, three Dos Santos, four Miocic, five Arlovsky, Brown, Barnett, Rothwell, Hunt, Overeem, Mir. You could do Fedor versus Mir. You could do Fedor versus Overeem. I wouldn't do Hunt because they already fought. You could do Rothwell, but not Best Use. You could do Barnett. Brown doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's it's exciting. You could do Arlovsky and anything above that to me makes no sense. Those are the ones I feel like you could do, but you could also do Shogun. There's there's some other ones you could really do uh, as well. Luke, why do you think Johnny Hendricks gets so much hate online? I don't know. I didn't know that he did. I saw that his restaurant gets torn to pieces in uh, Yelp reviews, but, um, I haven't seen anything else beyond that. Oh God, that's so bad. Luke, for the love of God, please tell us how Chael knew that Jones would drop out of UFC 187. I can't enjoy my go-gurt without this info. Uh, All I'll tell you is that he had some information he was using and then some guesswork and then made a, he didn't actually know, no, He made a guess, and the guess turned out to be true. But he didn't actually know, like, for certainty it was going to happen. He was kind of like, I got some information that's interesting. I got some guesswork I'm going to do. Put it together. See what happens. Look, a whole lot of people from fans to fighters to journalists reacting negatively to the news that the UFC won't use Stitch again. At this stage, is it too late for the UFC to walk it back? They oftentimes seem more committed to justifying their actions than they are correcting them and admitting fault. uh I mean, walk it back, you mean, like, get Stitch back? I don't know if that would even work at this point. But, you know, I think in terms of, you know, allowing guys to add a sponsor or two to their shorts, of getting feedback from Cutman to make the Cutman jacket better, I mean, these are obviously areas of improvement that seem like no-brainers, but... You know, will they you know I don't know I don't know what they're gonna do also many fans think this is a terrible look for the UFC myself included right up until I remember the Burrell versus Du 2s on free TV this weekend does our continued consumption of the product in spite of our vocal disgust on social media make us just as complicit with the UFC doing these things knowing they just need to get to the next event to change the narrative again um yeah look I mean if you're so disgusted with the UFC yet you just keep watching their stuff and and you know. Uh, in no way change your behavior as a fan. I mean, you're you know you may not like those things that they do, but it doesn't stop your consumption habits. So how much do you really hate it? You know, yeah, it might it might really piss you off, but like, you know, not in any kind of existential way. But like think about it in football, people are like legitimately concerned. I think about head trauma. Not enough to stop watching the NFL. Their ratings are like through the roof, man. I mean, their ratings are, ridiculous. Know, you're talking like 30 million for a game on a Sunday night, if not more than that. you um, I mean, think about that. Our record MMA is like a peak of nearly 10. And they can triple that week after week in the NFL. Do they really care about your petty gripe? Like, think about this. I, I talked about this once on Luke Thomas's Piss, And I know that show is, you know, mostly just me screwing around. But one point I did make once was, you know, do you remember when Roger Goodell was like just completely botching the handling of the Ray Rice case? You know, just, I mean, F up after F up after F up. Um, and everyone was calling for his head. Bill Simmons called him a liar, which ultimately led to not Bill Simmons going to HBO, but whatever. Everyone and their brother wrote these like sanctimonious, Roger Goodell's the worst person on earth. And he might well be, he might well be Satan incarnate. I don't know, you know. But everybody and their brother, Roger Goodell needs to go. You know, Roger Goodell is incompetent. Roger Goodell is this. Roger Goodell is that. You know what Roger Goodell is? He is still the man in charge. That's what he is, you know, and why? Well, partly because the owners aren't too objecting to him too much, but partly because, you know, we're just ants. One ant is no big deal. Like, if you see one ant in your house, you don't call pest control, you know. You just stomp it out. So uh, for me, it's like all that blowback that Roger Goodell got, it meant nothing in the end. Nothing. He's still exactly where he was before. Amazing, right? Amazing. So like if you're truly disgusted, what would really cause Goodell harm is if people just said, you know what, Goodell? I, I can't stand the way you handled this Ray Rice case and a bunch of other things. I'm just going to not watch the NFL until you're gone. And imagine if 30 million people who are watching that stop doing it. Well, then you would have some trouble. Then you would have some trouble. But if you guys, you know, the NFL is just banking on the fact that when OTAs start and then preseason and then the regular season starts, most of these criticisms just go away. Uh, Let's do one more. Luke, what do you think of Cowboy's accusation of RDA, RDA using PEDs? I can tell you uh, lots of people have suspicion about him. No evidence. Lots of suspicion. Uh, someone says, is someone going to ask Dana about Stitch during the press conference this week? Well, uh, there is no press conference. I think it's just a media day. I don't know if he'll be there or not. I'm assuming he'll be there for the post-fight press conference. So I uh, hope that someone will ask him then. And then there's a super long question I have no time to get to. Uh, any word on UFC's pay-per-view numbers? It'll be uh, UFC 189, excuse me, their pay-per-view numbers. It'll be at least another week, if not more than that. And obviously, your man in charge of that is uh, Dave Meltzer. Okay, any more from the Twitter machine? Do you think that other apparel and fighter gear brands will ever be Blurred out in embedded videos. Uh, Nothing would surprise me at this point. I'll put it that way. Okay. I have to go. I appreciate you watching. You want to follow me on Twitter? You may. It said twitter.com slash S-B-N, Sierra, Bravo, November, S-B-N, Luke Thomas. And you can email me luke.thomas at sbnation.com. And uh, I appreciate watching. Lots of coverage coming your way starting tomorrow. Then Friday, and then Saturday, where you'll see on Fox 16. Thank you so much for watching. Subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud, and uh, you guys are great. Until next time, stay frosty.